Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the channel. Blessed Tuesday, a blessed feast of St. Mark the Evangelist, and blessed Rogation Day as well. A lot of stuff going on today on the liturgical calendar. And of course, welcome back to episode 430 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to talk about the Super Mario Brothers box office because it is insane in the men brain, as the song goes, doing incredibly well, and it is well on its way to crossing a billion dollars, probably by the end of this weekend, if it continues to trend in the way that it is, and I suspect that it will. Also, we'll have a little general movie talk because I've been able to see several films a few of which I've been able to put reviews up on the channel for, including uh, yesterday being able to finish the film, or rather this morning being able to film a review for Tetris, which I finished yesterday. Uh, very, very solid film from Apple TV+. Plus. Also, of course, being able to see Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, which was great. I uh, was able to also rewatch the anime Weathering With You with the original Japanese, and I will uh, say I, I've updated my, my thoughts on that film. And I finally... I've finally been able to see The Equalizer. I know that it's a film, a random film, that has come up several times on the channel, people asking me. I've finally seen the first one, and I'm about halfway through the second one. And, uh, spoiler, I am enjoying myself. I think the fact that I'm watching the second one currently should kind of give that one away. Anyway, a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Please make sure to smash that like button, though. Lab the fire button, Aussie, and smash the rumble button as well. By the way, I checked on Rumble. I don't know why, uh, if, if anyone still is having issues to find the chat, I don't know how to help you. I've checked both my iPhone and my old Android phone, and I was able to find the live chat pretty easily. So there should not be any person then left out, because it's clearly on available on browser. And I've, again, checked the major platforms in Android and iOS. So unless you have an older phone, I guess, that maybe doesn't have the most up-to-date Android software and maybe doesn't support the latest update to the app. I, I That's the only thing I could possibly think of. But if you're watching on those platforms, you should be able to access the live chat anyway. So thank you again if you're watching over on Rumble on Odyssey. Erica knows says pineapple pizza time. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I know that was from earlier today. But let's say hello to the people. We got Keely Chow in the chat. What is going on, Keely? Thank you very much for being here today. Also, asking how Baby Thor and Freya are doing. Baby Thor is doing just fine. He was a little cranky today. Uh, we think he was just really, really extra tired. Um, and so he was not not a very happy camper. Not a very happy camper, but uh, he's he's calmed down, right? That, that, that tends to be the way things go, especially when you're in, in the toddler era. And then uh, the Lady Freya is doing well. She's going off to get some ice cream right now. And that is exactly how I said it. Uh, Mike Jackson, who is a member over on YouTube. What's going on, Mike Jackson? I see he's also hanging out over on Rumble. What's going on? Great Wuda, hail to you. Thanks for being here. Snow Poopas, Cuba, Hello, Homans, and other quitters. What's going on? Appreciate that. I hope you didn't see a Bud Light commercial. For one, I don't drink. I'm a straight-edge individual. Then again, I don't really have control over what ads play on the channel. I, I wish I did. Because I can tell you right now, I wouldn't want, I don't care how much they would pay me, I wouldn't want any alcohol company um, advertising on my channel. I, I'm straight edge. I, I don't, I don't wean, I don't need that money. I don't. Charles Ak Akwagu? 
I hope I said that correctly. If I mispronounced it, I apologize. Wayward Noodle, what is going on? Welcome back to the chat. We got General Wingster who tagged, I'm eating some proper pizza in your honor tonight. That better be without pineapple. Because even though obviously I'm going to have to eat it on Friday Night Tights, probably next week because this week, one, Vegas. Um, and again, shout out to all of the peeps who are hanging out in Vegas. I can't. I work full time. I'm a teacher. It is literally the last weeks of the fourth quarter. There was just no way I was ever going to be able to justify it, not only with my job, but also with my own mind. Again, I love my job. I love teaching. And so I, I just, again, it wasn't even really a hard decision. I wish I could be with everybody and be hanging out with people. But again, I, I hope that there are plethora of other opportunities over the summer when I actually have the time off and, and can actually uh, dedicate that time. But I hope everyone is having a blast. I've been able to keep up with some of the live streams and some of the videos, uh, especially the Geeks and Gamers coverage. They're doing a great job. And uh, if you're out there, I hope that you are all having a lot of fun. But because of them being in uh, because of them being in Vegas this week, I don't one. It just probably wouldn't be practical for it to be this week because they're probably already going to be dealing with a lot of technical stuff anyway. And uh, also, I don't think it's going to cross a billion dollars until this actual weekend. It's it's absolutely going to cross a billion dollars. That's been pretty much a, a guarantee at this point. Um, but it's it's going to I think happen probably by Sunday of of this weekend if I had to guess. Great Wuda, time to say I thought about seeing Mario today. Uh, no, I didn't. Watch John Wick Four instead. Well, you know me. I, I think that's a good decision, and not just because of the bet, but because I think John Wick 4 is an infinitely better film. Just so much more entertaining, so much better writing, better story, etc. J.S. Pena, stating the obvious. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. I know the bet's lost. I, I literally, I think it's, what, two weeks ago that I that I conceded defeat at this point? Orange Eye Reviews, who is a mod on the channel, also a member. He is going to lay down the hammer, if indeed. You decide to misbehave. Again, please do not spam. Please do not be a jerk. We are a family-friendly channel. We like to have fun in the chat, but we like to have responsible fun. So please keep the cursing out of it. And uh, indeed, I fall 20, 30 minutes behind in the chat because all you need to do is put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin, no matter what platform you are on, put at Odin if you want me to read your comments aloud. Even if there's nobody over there, please put at Odin. The only exception is if you are on YouTube and you are a member. And the only reason why is because I can sift out the green names uh, much better. So again, no matter what platform, at Odin, unless you're a member on YouTube, in which case you can just type. But if you are not on YouTube or a member, both things have to be true, then just put at Odin. I don't, I don't make people pay uh, to get their name shouted out or their message read, <clears throat> as long, of course, as it's appropriate. But if you do want to skip ahead in the line, I do read Super Chats, etc., uh, much more quickly. Kimberly G, what is going on? Hail to you. Thanks for being back in the chat. Always glad to have you here. Orange Heart Views laying down the law. I am the law. GMonkey76, what is going on? Appreciate you being here. John Evan Bear, hello there. I told you it would make a billion. Yeah, a lot of people said it would make a billion. I think the issue more so is the logic that a lot of people use to get there, I still argue is is unsound. Because, again... There have been a plethora of other video game titles that all come from various successful franchises, all of which, or at least some of which, actually got decent reviews and were well-liked by fans, and yet, none of them even close to these numbers, all right? I mean, if you really want to get it down to it, okay, what about Sonic? People who are Sonic fans generally liked it. Sonic is a very well-selling game, well-selling uh, IP, giant IP, and yet... 
Didn't make mass amounts of money. Made some profit, but not mass profits. So I still hold that that logic is incredibly flawed. It's doing well. I was clearly wrong. I underestimated the power of this film and the power of this IP. However, I still think the overall logic used for a lot of people to get to that end result is still flawed. It's essentially saying, oh, well, I got the answer right on the test, but my formula is completely incorrect. Okay. Well, then guess what? In many case situations, you don't even get any credit because you got to know how you get there in order for you to get the full credit. Again, I missed the answer and the formula. Some people just missed the formula, and guess what? That means we're both wrong. Gary Magnuson with Worthington says, Tetras is for squares. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. How dare you? Jay Price, what is going on? Hail to you. Uh, Mike Jackson saying that he was going to head over to the Rumble. Ryan Welch in the chat, what's going on? Master of Gaming in the chat. Hail to you. Thank you very much for being here. Orange Review says, Vegas is Sin City, so stay away. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have probably tried to have avoided it uh, in most situations anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we got Laura, the Modern Major General's story hanging out. What is going on, Laura? Thank you very much for being here. She's also one of my mods. Forever Sci-Fi, who is a member, what is going on? Hail to you. Over on Rumble, we got King Kane Rumshki. What's going on, good sir? Welcome back to the chat. And we got UAB Mad Dog, Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson saying, when does Mario open in Japan and Korea? I'm interested to see how it does over there. It's coming out this week over there. So this week slash weekend because of, you know, time differences and, and such, time zones. So it is coming out there. Uh, though I've already had people come out to say, well, you know, it's not going to make mass amounts of money in Japan on an opening day uh, because that's not how it works over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, I just love when, when people, uh, you know, trying to do those things basically. But uh, regardless of that, even if it is, I think they argued it was if a $30 million opening in Japan happens and that's huge. And again, what I'm going to do is I'm going to compare it to other films, right? Because once the film actually releases in Japan, we'll have a better idea of what we can probably expect from it in the long run, right? We look at its opening day, we look and see how that compares to other opening days versus other anime titles versus, uh, you know, other animated films versus even live action films, Western films to see if there's any corollary. And then, of course, we continue to track it just like we would in the domestic market. We would track the drop off from week one to week two. And that's, again, the only way that we're going to be able to actually uh, have an idea or at least a general idea of how well it's going to do. I think it's going to do very well in those countries, right? Even my low estimate, low, again, according to a lot of other people, when I said, hey, historically, the film should realistically make about two, $250 million from both countries combined. But as I've also given the caveat to, there's never been a movie like this before. So I think this is a film that is likely going to be a standard bearer. So if this film ended up making $250 million from Japan alone, that wouldn't surprise me. Historically, it would. There's no way I could have figured that out. There's no way I could have predicted that based off of just historic numbers, but it wouldn't surprise me nonetheless. Uh, and again, this is especially true of, uh, especially since the film has just been destroying every person's projections, right? including my own. Even the people that thought this film was going to do well, if they were honest with themselves, would not have said that the film was going to be doing this well, right? It's one thing to say the film's going to make a billion dollars. Now we're talking about the possibility of like a $1.5 billion movie, potentially, depending on how much it makes in these markets. But yeah, it is coming out uh, this weekend in both Japan and in South Korea, end of April. Crazy to think that we're already in the end of April, though. Uh, Kane Kane Rumshki says, you don't know the power of the Mario game. That's right. 
It sold over one billion. I'm not even gonna go on that rant. Uh, Master of Gaming tagged to say Warner Brothers and Disney spend way too much. Yet, Warner Brothers released Evil Dead Rise in theaters and is successful. Disney could release the first Omen in theaters and be successful. Yeah, and again, they, that's something that it's just amazing to see these studios struggle to figure out the box office. And it's crazy, especially since this is a formula that's been, that has worked for a long time. I really can't think off the top of my head of any horror film for, li- for ri- very little money, like talking $30, $40 million budgets or less, that have flopped. It's very rare that that happens, right? The vast majority of the time, what you end up having is you end up having films that are able to drive out the horror base on opening weekend and on the subsequent, you know, initial weekends because they really don't make money in the long run. They tend to make money, especially if you release it in October. That's one of the best times of the year to release horror films. But it's very unlikely that any horror film, especially ones that are made for such small budgets, I mean, you can make most of them for under 20. It's very rare that those don't make their money. So, you put Disney's marketing machine behind a horror film that costs $20 million, they can make decent profits from that. But instead what they do, both Disney and Warner Brothers, are notorious for this, is they don't do that. Right? Evil Dead Rise is kind of a, an exception as far as the box office for Warner Brothers. I mean, they've had massive losses this year. I mean, Disney's is bad, but Warner Brothers is arguably much worse as far as actual financial losses at the box office are concerned. But they finally have this film, Evil Dead Rise, and because they spent next to nothing on it, they've already essentially made their money back. And, and they're looking to make a decent profit from it as well. And, and that's even with the film not necessarily even being all that good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just insane that they still don't quite understand it. Wayward Noodle, thank you for the $5. That's a super chat. Thank you very much, good sir. It says, any chance of Mario taking over Frozen 2? The irony would be wonderful. Love Disney having to reap the whirlwind. I think it's absolutely possible. Um, I, I think that some people have even brought up the numbers for the first Frozen. Because Frozen 2, in comparison to the first, I don't think did nearly as well in Japan. They both did well, but the first one did much better. If, if memory serves me right. And that's even before you adjust for inflation. Triggered some people already. Um, but I think that there's a chance of Frozen 2... And who knows, maybe there's even a chance of Frozen. As I said, I think that this film is impossible to predict at this point, right? Now that they have, now we actually have the numbers, now that we're actually seeing what this film is doing, and now that we're especially seeing that no one's really able to peg this movie, or how well it's doing, or how well it's going to do, I I would have to say at this point, it's impossible uh, to really predict how much it's going to make there. So you could see the film make record amounts of money, and end up being the highest grossing film in Japan. You could also see this being a middle-of-the-road Western studio release. Because Nintendo is listed as a producer. I just, honestly, I don't know at this point, and I hope that they they release this information one day. Um, I would love to know what uh, percentage Nintendo paid as far as how much they put into the budget, how much they're getting in residuals. Because if it's anything like the Disney-Sony deal... Remember that Disney and Sony have a deal right now for Spider-Man, right? Disney puts up 25% of the budget for the Spider-Man movies that Sony does and that Sony has the sole distribution for. And then they split the revenue, right? Whatever revenues they make, Sony gets 75% of it. And then Disney gets 25% of it when, when all is said and done. I don't know if that's how much Nintendo actually has. I imagine, and I mentioned this before, I have to imagine it's quite a bit seeing that they were able to allegedly, and again, this is all rumor and speculation, 
Allegedly, the story was actually more woke. Nintendo then stepped in and said they had to change it, and they did. Whether that's true or not is anyone's guess. But even regardless of whether that's true or not, the fact still remains is that they have some say, right? They are listed as a production company, but I don't know how much they actually have as far as investments are concerned. Would love to hear about it, though. Would love to get that information. But thank you again, Wayward Noodle, for that super chat. Appreciate it. Let's see. Charles says, to what would you attribute the Mario success? Um, well, I would say several factors. So for one, I think that it's an animated movie and animated films tend to do pretty well, especially for families. Two, I would say an incredibly effective marketing campaign, very effective marketing campaign, clearly reaching to younger audiences, especially for kids. And three, going off of that, it's the families. You know, it's kind of like that old expression in politics. It's the economy, stupid. It's the family, stupid. Talking to my historical self here. It's the family, stupid. How did you not see this? Because the families are what's driving this movie. Yeah, you can say that there are a lot of fans of the game who are middle-aged or younger, right? People who grew up with the game going to see it. And I'm sure that they are. But that's not what really drives these kinds of movies, right? What drives these kinds of movies are the kids. And I remember when I went to go see this film... Even for like a late for an opening night showing, there were already a lot of kids in there. there. There were families going to see this movie. So that was already an early indication for me, at least in my market. Okay, this is a lot bigger with families than I thought it would ever be. Clearly, I was wrong on that. That's why it's doing well, because it was able to appeal to families to such a degree that it's just, again, destroying everything else in its path. And then the very effective marketing. And I think it really comes down to Illumination, who have clearly been able to um, to really corner the market when it comes to animated uh, kids' movies. And we already knew that they had that ability. It's just that Mario was an untested property. Because if you think about it, the only other Mario film that we've ever had was the so-called Mario film live action from back in the 1990s. And, and most people would say that's a joke to even say Mario in the same sentence as that film. But, yeah, clearly, those are the main factors. Those are the main factors. People can talk about IP and IP brand recognition, and I'm sure, again, that probably plays a role, but it's impossible to quantify because Sonic has giant IP recognition, too. And I'm not trying to say that comparing Sonic to Mario one-to-one is fair, but that's kind of the point. It's also not fair to compare people who are fans of the Mario game to movie-going people one-to-one either. Again, because they don't really compare. Because if they did, Sonic would have a lot larger numbers. Other video game adaptations would have a lot larger numbers, right? Especially the ones that have positive uh, reactions. Uh, ben Downey, thank you for gifting five memberships. Appreciate that, man. Thank you for gifting those at the Army of Asgard level. Congratulations to the newest members General Wingster, Victor Fontaine, Thanatos Felicitas, GMonkey76, and Whitefall. Newest members on the channel. It reminds me, too, because the Army of Asgard level and above uh, on YouTube, because it's been this way for, for Patreon, but on YouTube, y'all are going to get access, start getting access to the monthly podcast that I do with John the Flick Pick Flickinger. So be on the lookout for that. The problem is, is that we were supposed to film last night. So for anyone who has been waiting for that podcast episode, I apologize because I've tried to film it now twice with John. I love John. However... Things usually come up. In this case, he actually is legit sick and was not able to record. I have no idea when we're going to make up the episode because I'm busy for most of this week. And the weekends are always terrible in the first place. 
and I apologize. I'm going to try to get that during April, though. And if not, I will try to make it up to everybody. But anyway, congratulations to the newest members. Let's see. King Kane Rumsky over on Rumble says, if you account for inflation, is it possible Mario gets to $2 billion? I guess it depends on what you mean by that, right? Like, do you mean, does the film get to a point this year where in like a couple of years it gets to $2 billion? It's hard to say. Right now, my range is between $1.3 and $1.6 billion. And that's just, again, based off of low, e- low estimates on my part, right? Low-end estimates for Japan and South Korea, which may not necessarily come to fruition. And then when you get to the higher-end estimates, you're looking closer maybe to 1.6. But even then, it's so hard to predict this movie because this film is doing things that, again, no one has expected, not even the biggest fans of the film. People might say they've expected this, but in all honesty... Again, if they were going to be really honest, they would say they had no idea it was going to be this big. They knew it would be big, but not this big. So, uh, pretty big. I think, ultimately, though, 1.3 to $1.6 billion total. Total. Because uh, there's no way inflation is going to get it to $2 billion if it hits that mark anytime soon. Forever Sci-Fi, who is a member on YouTube, says, I think people are just starved for escape and entertainment. When you can't even drink a beer without getting insane political, people get stressed. Well, again... I would agree to an extent, but here's the thing. There are films that have come out that don't have political agendas that people just have not seen. So that's only a part of it, right? Whenever people, and this always drives me crazy, whenever people say, oh, it's making money and it's doing well because it's not woke. No, I'm sorry. Like, that, that's a bad argument. That's, that's as bad as saying, this is a good movie because it's not woke. That's not a good argument either. Just because a movie is not woke does not make it a good movie, period, and stop. Good movies are good movies. All right? And so we need to really move beyond that standard because it's a terrible standard. And I know people often will come up with, well, you know, there's just so much woke entertainment these days that, you know, we got to support the things that are not woke. And I understand that. The issue is that there are still every single year, for the past several years, good non-woke movies that come out. And no one goes to see them because the marketing campaigns aren't very good because the marketing is either non-existent because it's a smaller film or because people just overlook it for another non-woke movie that some people are entertained by but ultimately are just not very good. And I'll talk about some of the films that I've seen more recently that I think can fit that bill, that I think are, are well worth going to see. And guess what? They're not making any money. Orange Air Reviews, who is a member, says this tro- this is Judge Orange. Trollers are not the law. I am the law. Trollers are just common spammers. Anyone who spams will be treated as an accessory to spamming. You've been warned. Judgment time. Judgment time. I like that. Ryan Doles, daddy say, as a Transformers fan, Rise of the Beast looks awful. And I like the Michael Bay films. Look what they did to Wheeljack. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, I don't know Wheeljack because I'm not a big Transformers person myself. I just have never really been a giant fan of it. But yeah, I will say... For a franchise that I've never had any interest in, the one thing that I've always been able to say for most of the films has been that the CGI has been pretty good. Like the CGI and the effects have been have been pretty, you know, well polished. The the trailers for this do not look very good. And before you come up with a, well, it's a trailer and they're gonna finish the effects and the effects are gonna improve. Anytime anyone's ever said that about any movie, it's never happened. What you get in a trailer, yes, it's not the final piece. And they could still make some changes. But in general, the changes are going to be so marginal, it's not going to be a night and day difference. 
right? The only time that night and day differences happen is in the case of Super, or rather, uh, of the case of Sonic, where the design of the character, the actual design, was so terrible, and the backlash was so bad, the director, kudos to him, Jeffrey Fowler, for listening to fans, actually was able to delay his release and then actually get an entire redesign on the character. But that's not what happens for these movies, right? They've already spent so much money on the effects, rendering the effects out. If they're going to go back in and make massive changes, they've got to see some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. But anyway, let's see. Laura says, was the Covenant... Uh, Guy Ritchie, I think is what you meant to say. Uh, is the Covenant Guy Ritchie's first 100% dramatic film, certainly his first war film, it, it might be his first dramatic. I think some would argue that Wrath of Man was was more of a dramatic take. Though for some reason, because I've only seen Wrath of Man once, but meaning to see it again, because I really enjoyed it. Um, I remember there being some comedic moments in that film. The Covenant has at least one or two moments that, that are fun. Um, but it is definitely like the vast majority of it is absolutely a, a dramatic take for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think it might be. And you know what? He does a fantastic job. I'm glad, Laura, that you also liked it. Because, yeah, if you've not seen The Covenant, it's really good. It's not my favorite of his, but it's still a solid movie. Gave it a solid B in my review. And I still stand by that. Hardwick, did you finish watching Critical James? Nope, have not finished watching it. Have been busy with other things. Uh, Bruce, who is a member, hail to you. Thanks for being here. Laura says, I'm at work, so I may not see your tags. Well, hey, thank you for still being here nonetheless. General Winkster says, I recently did my annual Lord of the Rings rewatch, and we'll probably do it again for the 20th anniversary later this year. What's your favorite movie slash aspects of the trilogy? Oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, I haven't done one of those in a while. I still remember I was able to do the trilogy all extended editions, and it was it was just beautiful like it was just so much fun to do cuz i've only ever done the entire trilogy extended i think maybe once actually no that twice twice i did once several years ago i think i was actually even able to watch it at my old school cuz a friend of mine was started working there and had access to the auditorium and was able to put it up on like a projector it was really cool to watch um and it was fun it was something that they did over the summer and then just this past year, I think, yeah, whenever I got my new TV, I ended up watching all of the extended edition Lord of the Rings films on it, and it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's something that I think is is phenomenal. I love the I love Fellowship. I love how it gets everything set up. There's just I don't know. It feels very homey, right? Because all three films are really so unique, right? They're obviously connected, but they're also unique. I like Fellowship a lot because of how it establishes the characters and does a really good job setting things up. And there's some really great sequences that I enjoy. Boromir, especially. His entire arc is great. And then I would probably say that there are some days, though, where Two Towers, because Helm's Deep, I'm sorry, like you, you just don't get any better than Helm's Deep. And uh, Two Towers has that. A lot of people really like Return of the King. And hey, Return of the King's good. I just don't think it holds a candle to the first two, personally. I like it. There's a lot of things that are good, but... Anyway. Let us see. Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey. What's going on, Abomination? Thank you for being here. John Evan Bear. It's funny that Disney is boasting The Little Mermaid will be two hours and 14 minutes long, as if being longer will put butts in seats. 
Yeah, I, I don't quite understand. And this is true of Disney and Warner Brothers. I don't understand their marketing. I don't understand their strategy because I just, I haven't seen, by the way, if anyone's going to ask me, have you seen this trailer? Have you seen that trailer from CinemaCon? The only one I had time to watch before the stream was the new Flash one. And the new Flash trailer looks terrible. Basically, they've admitted trailer, right? Like the trailer itself clearly shows what the studio's intention is. Because if you watch the trailer, you would be far pressed to argue. Like you, you would not really be able to provide a good argument that this was a trailer for a Flash movie. Because they spend so much time on Michael Keaton's Batman that you think it's just a Michael Keaton Batman movie and Flash happens to be a supporting character. <laughs> so to me, what that says they know this film is garbage. They know they've got nothing with this movie except for the Michael Keaton factor, except for the nostalgia factor. So all they're going to do is try to push that to the moon and hope it works. And here's the thing. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think Warner Brothers has, and I don't think DC really has as much of an established fan base. Because when you think about the Snyder films, the Snyderverse films especially, you had hardcore, diehard, almost cult-like Snyder fans. Going out to see it. And even though there's a lot of them, there aren't that many of them. They were never able to will those movies to massive financial success. And then you look to the generic audiences, and they've always been kind of middling on it. They've, you know, some have shown some interest, but in general, Warner Brothers has always struggled to get the mass populace to show up for their DC films. And if you just look at the box office and compare those to any Marvel film, for instance, that's what I mean. Right, Because you're dealing with, I think, a smaller core base, or at the very least, you're dealing with a core base that can't expand into any of the general audience or any, into, the, uh, into, the, into any of the normal populations. It'd be one thing if that was true and they were still making money and they were also producing great products. It's another when they're pr producing subpar, mediocre at best products and still also you know, not really making a whole lot. But yeah, it's just, it looks awful. Especially when they show an image and you're like, oh, is that Superman? And you're like, oh, wait, no, never mind. Because they're doing the whole like Superwoman, Supergirl nonsense. I know they're different characters, but I don't care which one it is. General Wingster, Mario will make more than Avatar 2. My source, well, the Switch sold. Dang you. General Wingster. Wingster. Hardwick, something seems fishy about Guardians of the Galaxy 3 projections. It's true that MCU fatigue is setting in with a lot of people, but I don't buy that turnout is likely to be that low for Guardians. Um, well, again, I don't really buy into the MCU fatigue, to be perfectly honest. I think it's just bad movie fatigue. And that, I think, could be what turns things around for those Guardians projections. Because some people, I've seen a couple of comments say that early reactions to the film are actually mostly positive. So whether that's true or not, whether there have been test screenings or whether the early screenings for the film have been successful, I don't know. But what I can say is if any film is going to kind of break the the MCU, I, I guess you could say, because again, I don't I don't like that concept of, of MCU fatigue. I think more of like a slump that they've been in because their films have just did not, not been very good. Like go back. To, to Doctor Strange 2. That movie was not good and yet still made $950 million because it made $450 worldwide opening weekend, right? It had a massive head start, a massive jump um, in all markets and then just fell off a cliff, had some of the highest drops. And then every subsequent film had also high levels, high drops, historical level drops until eventually you get to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania 
which is all trying to set up the next big villain, right? They were trying to prop that thing so, and it ended up just bombing. So I would not be surprised if Guardians actually ends up being a, a success. And I think I mentioned this before. If any MCU film is going to make a billion in the foreseeable future, Guardians 3 has the best chance. I'm not saying it is going to hit a billion. I wouldn't make that bet. But does it have a chance? And the best chance? Yeah, I'd say so. Brian James tagged to say, side note, Best Buy has the first four Mission Impossible movies available in Steelbook for pre-order today. Pineapple people sucks and I feel your pain. Oh, well, thank you, Brian James. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, well, yeah, I like, again, I love Mission Impossible. I have the set that includes, I believe, the first five movies. It's not a set that I think I would ever want to buy on, on Steelbook, to be perfectly honest. The Steelbooks would have to be, like, gorgeous. Um, but, yeah. Uh, ben Daddy, what's going on, bro? Thank you again for gifting those memberships. I appreciate that. Lesser Logic, what's going on? Sandy Sandy, what's going on? Master Gaming, did I say Transformers Rise of the Beast apparently has a runtime of 3 hours 40 minutes. No, thank you. Sounds like a complete waste of time. King and Rumsky over on Rumble says, Who goes out of business first, Disney, Warner Brothers, or Fox News? Oh, any and all legacy media, mainstream media companies are easily going out of business. I mean, you got Tucker Carlson at Fox News. You got Don Lemon at CNN. Don Lemon at, at CNN. Nate Silver just got fired from, what, ABC? So you got some pretty big names in the realm of politics all getting fired. I mean, it's not looking good at all. Abomination over on Honesty says, If Guardians 3 gets a low opening weekend, I'm going to blame their promotional stuff like that poster with that thing people are calling Nebula. But that's another thing too, Abomination, because that's the kind of stuff that we might notice. I don't think a lot of general audiences are really going to notice that. It's the same thing as with the, is with the Spider-Verse film, right? Everyone has said a lot of things about how there is like a trans rights poster at one point. I remember looking at the trailer and I was like looking very hard to, to find it and to see it. And I never did. Now, maybe I was watching the wrong trailer for all I know. But I think most people, again, most people, I don't think are going to notice that kind of stuff. Now, that does not mean that I don't think people should call it out and that people should be critical of it. Because obviously, that's, that crap does not belong in those movies. Or any movie for that matter. Unless it's like a documentary. However, I still, again, don't think most normal people, most normies, most general audience viewers are really going to get that. Are really going to notice that kind of stuff. So that's why I do think that Guardians might end up doing better than projections. And if it, and again, it all stems from, and it all depends upon whether the film is good. Because if it ends up being a situation where people get excited about it and then it pulls a Doctor Strange 2, okay, well then we're going to look at a movie that might barely get to Thor Love and Thunder levels, maybe getting up towards uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever levels at best. But we'll have to wait and see. Proof is in the pudding, as they say. General Wingster, uh, who is now a member. Ben Dowdy, what have you done? You've unleashed chaos. Yes. Victor Fontaine says, thank you. Charles says, Avatar would Avatar could hit $2 billion twice. How do you see Nintendo repeating $1 billion plus? Um, I don't know what you mean by the Avatar hitting $2 billion twice. I don't know what that's a reference to because both films have already reached what they're going to reach. Anyway, um, regardless of that, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that Nintendo has a uh, Nintendo has a lot of money on the table. All right, N- Nintendo can easily make several billion dollar films if they do this right. And I think first and foremost, what they need is they need a creative mind in the writer's chair who's actually going to provide good stories. And I know people might say, but the story isn't really all that important. It's a video. I don't care. If they're going to want to get people like me to not just come back to watch their films, but even to support them, because I don't like the Super Mario Brothers movie. It's not a very good movie. You can enjoy it all you want, but the story's not there. You need to have a good story. All right? Critical Drinker, in his review of the film, I think did a great job of being able to showcase saying, hey, he really enjoyed it. He thought it was a lot of fun, but also the story is not very good. And he was able to use an example that I've used several times, which is the film Up. Film Up is an animated movie made for kids, and yet it was able to also be for adults. It was also able to tell a compelling story, including even just the first five to ten minutes. Not that they need to have that kind of story for all of their movies, but they need to do something better. They need to actually start building a universe, right? Even Jeremy admits this much. And that's the only way that they're going to be able to actually pull this off. But if they do, and again, if they do, and I think they might, then they could be seeing every Nintendo film they ever release hitting a billion. And so it depends on what properties they choose. It depends on whether or not they heed this warning obviously they're not going to listen to me because what my fear is and i've mentioned this before what my fear is is that they're going to see the money for this movie they're going to see this film get well over a billion dollars and they're going to think we didn't really have to try it hard hard at all for this movie writing wise hmm the story doesn't matter okay let's just make a thousand movies all with crap stories subpar storytelling and just put it out there to make money if they do that, they're going to oversaturate the market. They're going to push people away from bad storytelling, and they're going to end up having a very, very short lifespan. I don't think they're going to do that, though. I don't think they're going to do that. I hope they don't do that. But again, a lot could still happen, and a lot could still change. General Wingster, Odin, you're a good person because you ain't woke. How dare you? How dare you? I've already called out that, that type of logic before. Favorite sci-fi. Just saying that when there's a good movie, especially a kid's movie, that is not political, people will flock to it. Mario sounds entertaining, it's good for kids, and isn't too long. But again, it's not because of the film not being woke. That That's more of a, oh, that's a plus. That's a bonus. That's not a reason to see a movie. I mean, if you were to talk to most audience members, how much does a film being woke impact you going to see a film? Most people are going to answer... What does that even mean? (laughs) I mean, again, sometimes I think we get caught in our bubbles. We get caught into our bubbles and we think that everyone thinks a very similar way as to what we do, but most general audiences don't think in the same terms or think in the same categories. So yeah, we might not, we might like the films or like hearing that films are not woke. That might be a driving force for us to want to go see and support a movie, but that's not a guarantee of anything because here's the fact. There have been bad movies that have made billions of dollars. Alice in Wonderland live action, first one made a billion dollars. Not a good film. There have been other films too that have made over a billion. Frozen 2! 
Made over a billion. Terrible movie. Terrible movie. There have even been woke films that have made money. I know that we like to think that Go Woke, Go Broke is, is a universal, uh, universal fact, but the fact is that it's not. When things become so politicized that even general audiences start to hear about it, that's when things... So, for instance, the reason why Lightyear bombed the box office was not because it was quote-unquote woke. It was because Disney, the public company, got involved in a state law battle, right, in Florida that got national attention so that normal people saw it and said, wait, what is Disney fighting for? Wait, what is Disney pushing? And then around that same time, you also have this market campaign for Lightyear, and ultimately that film failed because people were like, why would I want to support Disney right now after the crap that they're pushing? So it's not because the film was so woke that they didn't want to go see it. It was because of that. If they had not gotten involved, if they had continued to stay as they were, I would not have been surprised if, in hindsight, you could have seen Lightyear actually make money. But it's a lot of it has to do with the fact that they got involved in, in the Florida law. Master Gaming says, Good non-woke movies that don't make money are The Covenant, Operation Fortune, and Nefarious. Oh, completely agree. Those, those are three prime examples right there. Covenant's making nothing. Covenant's making nothing. And it's not even that it's not woke. It's, it's not even really political. It's a film about the Afghanistan war, and it could go in a lot of directions, and it really doesn't. It kind of reminds me a lot of the first Sicario movie. Sicario film is about the border. It's about the southern border. There's a lot of politics that you could have, in the, and really it stays away from it for the most part. It mostly focuses on the story of the drug cartels, and it focuses on uh, the officers who are, who are handling this. And so, yeah, but yeah, you bring up a great... Operate Fortune, phenomenal movie. No one went to go see it. Covenant, even less people going to see it. Phenomenal movie. Nefarious, great film. A lot of reasons as to why no one's going to see that movie. Let's let's be honest about Nefarious. Nefarious is definitely not like the others. <laughs> oh, man. But yes, I, I definitely agree, though. Ikthulu says, see the Equalizer 3 trailer? It looks uh, like the movie John Wick 4 fans thought they saw. <laughs> oh, come on, Ikthulu. John Wick 4 is phenomenal. I have not watched it, and the reason why is because I'm currently watching the second film. I finally watched the first Equalizer, first time ever seeing it uh, over the past couple days, and now I'm watching the second one. I'm halfway through the second one. And, and speaking of that, let's go ahead and just talk about, uh, officially, uh, some of the things that we're, you know, obviously we've been talking about these things for the most part. Um, but as you can see, Super Mario Brothers movie right now is at $881 million. So we're talking about maybe a day two tops. It crosses $900 million. That, that's pretty much a given. It is finally getting international releases in several countries this weekend. So we'll go ahead and pull this up. As you can see in Japan, it comes out on the 28th. So it comes out in three days in Japan. And then in South Korea... It comes out on the 26th. So they come out two days apart. South Korea, it gets it first. So that's, in a, that's actually tomorrow. So probably within a few hours, if you do the time difference, the first showings of the film in South Korea will be playing. So we'll start to get some, I think, some early numbers. I hope to get some early numbers on how it does opening night in South Korea. And then we'll have to wait until the weekend for us to get any information on Japan. 
But I think that what we're going to see is we're probably going to see some pretty strong openings. But I, I can't wait for us to actually get them. I can't wait for us to have actual data. As you all know, I'm a data, data-driven person. And when it comes to the box office, we need box office data. Ancillary data might be able to help, might be able to get us good information. But ultimately, the only reliable data that we can really have is actual box office numbers. So I can't wait to see that. Can't wait to crunch it. Can't wait to compare it to other films to see what we, what we can expect. Because a lot of people have been saying a lot of things about Japan and South Korea. Again, historically, the film really shouldn't do too crazy. However, there's never been a film like this movie to come out in Japan. There's never been a Nintendo uh, film like this before. So we will see, right? A lot of people are saying a lot of things are hyping this up to be a, a massive, gigantic, gargantuan release. And I'm not saying that it won't be. I'm just saying right now, other than general sentiment and the use of video game data, which again is 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 valuable to it only to an extent, because it doesn't always guarantee outcomes. There's not a guarantee of of a one to one ratio of a one to one return. But we'll find out very very soon. But as I was saying, all right. We know that just because a film's not woke does not mean that people are going to see it or that it's going to be a success, right? Woke films make money from time to time. It's great when they fail. It's great when they get called out and the audiences return it in kind, but a lot of times that does not happen. And just because a film is not woke does not mean it's going to be a success. Great example, Guy Reaches the Covenant, as you can see, so far has only made $6.9 million. Think about, think about this again, all right? Super Mario Brothers, in the third weekend, right? In its third weekend. I just, I just, I want us to be able to figure this out, all right? It made $59.9 million in its third weekend. Look at these drops. 37% drop week one to week two. Only a 35% drop week two to week three. You're seeing drops in the 20s and 30s internationally. And so all that we're left with then is just, again, this massive release. But then we go back to The Covenant. That's how little money this film is making. Now, again, this is a massive film in Super Mario Brothers, but 6.9 is just nothing. Film costs about $55 million uh, production budget. So this film needs to make quite a bit of money to break even. That's just not likely going to happen. It's a fantastic film, and I think everyone should go see it, especially if you like war films, if you like films that are you know, based on true events. This is not one of these based on true stories. Uh, it's more so inspired by real stories. There's a really great sequence at the very end where it actually shows, um, it actually shows people, uh, soldiers with the Afghani interpreters that worked with the U.S. military while we were in Afghanistan. And it, as yet, yeah, it's a beautiful story. I think Jake Gyllenhaal gives a phenomenal performance. I know Laura will back me up on that one. But then you also have a phenomenal uh, performance in this uh, character uh, of, of Ahmed played by Dar Salim. A phenomenal performance. And then also you've got a great supporting role, supporting character in uh, Eddie Parker, who's played by, <laughs> oh man, he's played by Anthony Starr. And Anthony Starr, you might think, I don't know who that is. Oh, oh, I think you do. Because uh, this this is the guy that plays uh, Homelander in in the Boys, and he's great. <laughs> he's phenomenal. 
He's so much fun. But yes, that is where we are with with those films. And again, Super Mario Brothers is doing phenomenally well, doing incredibly well. But a lot of these really good films, no one's going to see. And just to pull up the films that I have been watching over the last uh, few days. By the way, thank you again if you are here. Smash the like button, let the fire button, Odyssey. Saw things slow down a bit in YouTube. I don't know if anyone else is streaming right now. I know that Tuesday Tuesday night's main event has been moving up and up and up. um, Which makes me mad. How dare you infringe on my time. Tuesday night's main event. I love y'all, but come on now. Um, So again, thank you all if you all are still watching. Like and share. But yeah, finally got to see The Equalizer. Phenomenal movie. Gave it four out of five stars. I would, uh, as far as a grade goes, I'd give it a, a B plus. Uh, some of the CGI in the film, I think, is just, ugh, you know, it's not a film that really should have a lot of CGI, but it's got a few moments, and the few moments themselves are not, aren't very good. But luckily, the acting by, um, by Denzel Washington is phenomenal. I think the uh, writing and the direction are, are, are pretty solid. And the the fighting, the kills are also very fun too. So Equalizer, a lot of fun, very well done, and I'm happy to have seen it. And I also got to see the film Tetris on Apple TV Plus, and oh my goodness, I did not think that I would enjoy a film about the origins of a video game. Not even like an adaptation of a video game, but a story about where it came from, how it got into the United States, how it got picked up by Nintendo and got put, you know, got packaged in with with the Game Boy. I mean, just learning all of those things was so much fun. And I mentioned this in my review that I think that uh, Taron Edgerton is just honestly, he's on a roll, right? I haven't seen all the films that he has been in more recently, but he has just been on, on a, it seems like he's just been on a tear the last few years. But this film is just, is truly phenomenal. So John S. Baird really hasn't done a whole lot, but has shown himself to be a competent film director with this movie. Even the writer as well. Really not a whole lot of experience there. But it truly is fantastic. And something I didn't know, but someone mentioned this in the comment section, um, and I thought it was interesting. I haven't uh, looked into it more. But Roger Allen plays this character of Robert Maxwell, did not know that this is the father of the notoriously evil Ghislaine Maxwell. So knowing now what I do know about Robert Maxwell, because he's not a good guy in the movie, um, it makes a little bit more sense as to why the apple doesn't far very, fall very far from the tree. Though if we're talking evil, I would definitely say Ghislaine Maxwell has the greater evil between the two. But <laughs> let's just say... None of them, neither of them are are very good people, it seems. But, oh, it's so good. Highly recommend going to see Tetris. And unfortunately, it is only available on Apple TV+. Plus. I don't know if it's ever going to be available anywhere else. They seem to be kind of holding on to all of their films and all of their shows um, uh, pretty tightly. So that that makes me pretty sad. But, yeah, phenomenal movie. Obviously, The Covenant I mentioned is pretty great. Uh, Nefarious, you've always, you already heard me talk ad nauseum about how much I think that people need to go see this movie, how important I think it is. And Father, I see that you're in the chat. Father, you need to go see Nefarious if you have not done so already. Please do so if you can. Um, and and I, I would definitely say this is a movie that I'm very tempted in the future to show my classes. That's how good I think it is. 
especially in its portrayal of evil and its portrayal of, of, of exorcism, of, of demonic possession and demonic influence. I just think it's so powerful. It's so incredibly powerful. And um, no cursing, no nudity whatsoever. And there are a few sequences of violence, but let's just put it this way. If you can show, and so obviously this would be for, for older high school students, if you can show the passion, and, and I do, then it's got nothing on, like this movie has got nothing on the passion as far as violence is concerned. Like again, there's a f- couple of violent moments, but compared to the passion, it's nothing. I still want to give that warning, but yeah, definitely recommend seeing it, Father. I think that you might actually really enjoy it. It's very compelling, very well written. Actually made by uh, Catholic directors, too. They don't really have a good history of films. I'll be perfectly honest. That's why I had very low expectations going in because it's the same people that did Unplanned and um, God's Not Dead as well. And so I, again, just did not have any high hopes for it writing-wise. Went in very down on the movie because everyone was saying, I, I rather I had a couple people who would you know reach out to me saying, you should see this movie and listen to Steve Dace talk about this and talk about that. And I was just like, I just don't care. And then when I came out of it, I just, I could not believe um, just how powerful and how moving it was. I was also able to finally rewatch Weathering With You, this time watching the actual subtitled version. So watching the original Japanese, which is, I always recommend because it does change the experience quite a bit. And I remember, you know, liking this movie because I do like Makoto Shinkai a lot, as I've mentioned last time, especially the last couple of streams, I mentioned the film Your Name which is one of my favorite animes of all time. Suzume was the most recent film he did, and it was also solid. One of my issues with Suzume, though, was I thought the voice acting for the main character of Suzume was not very good. The English voice acting was just not good at all. There seemed to be just a disconnect between how the character was animated and what you actually heard. And obviously that's on me for going to see a a dubbed version versus a subbed version. But I, I, again, explained the reason why was because there was no good showtime with the dub version. So hopefully Suzume is going to be out for another week um, or so because I would love to be able to get and have a chance to go see it. However, I was able to see Weathering With You again because it's a film that I own and I just loved it. Again, I, I remember liking the English version when seeing it in theaters. The original, though, again, just like with most dubbed, it just doesn't hold a candle. And the story is just so beautiful. As it says, high school student, high school student, uh, Hodaka leaves his home on an isolated island and moves to Tokyo, but he immediately becomes broke, lives his days in isolation, but finally finds a job as a writer for a shady occult magazine. After he starts his job, the weather has been rainy day after day, and it eventually leads to him meeting uh, this character Hina, amongst other characters, and it's it's a very compelling story. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a typical anime story, so if you don't like anime, you're not going to like this movie, but I, I love it. I think it's great. So I was happy to have watched that film again. So anyway, those are just some of the movies that I have been watching. And uh, Abomination over on Odyssey. No, I have not seen the trailer for Equalizer 3, and I'm not going to watch it until I finish Equalizer 2. So I'm only halfway through Equalizer 2. I'm not going to watch anything for 3 until I've watched all of 2. Not that there's going to be spoilers necessarily in 3's trailer. I I just don't feel right watching it without seeing the end of 2 first. So... Let's see. Kinkane Rumshki over on Rumble says, I would actually watch a Donkey Kong movie. Love the game. Thoughts, comments, concerns. Oh, a big one. Seth Rogen's the voice of Donkey Kong. 
let's let's just keep that in mind, okay? Seth Rogen is the voice of Donkey Kong. Seth Rogen has a lot of friends in the industry. Seth Rogen is pretty obnoxious in, in real life and in professional life too. So I would actually say that's a big concern. I would say that's actually a, a big concern that probably needs to <laughs> be addressed. If it was me, if I was Nintendo, I would say, yeah, let's go ahead and start working on finding a replacement for Donkey Kong. I don't think that's a character or a voice that anyone's going to miss. Right By character, I just mean the, the way in which the character is being portrayed. I think that they could do better finding a much better voice actor. And I know people are really loving Jack Black and and all the craziness with Bowser, but I'm sorry. I, it's is... Are we are we honestly going to say that that's Bowser, or are we actually going to finally admit the truth, which is, oh no, it's just Jack Black. It's Jack Black being Jack Black who happens to look like Bowser. Because <laughs> over the course of Mario, that was like one of my issues was, okay, he started off pretty good, and then as the film went on, I'm like, okay, it's just becoming more Jack Black, and then at the very end, you have like the musical sequence, you're like, okay, so it's just Jack Black? Is, is that what we're going with? And it's funny because... Of all the characters, I thought that was going to be my reaction to Luigi because Charlie Day is Luigi. And I'm like, oh, we're just going to get typical Charlie Day. And I love Charlie Day. I think he's hilarious. But he's got that voice and he talks like this all the time. And that's all his roles. And we ended up not really having that because Luigi was pretty much sidelined the entire film. Um, but I would definitely say that Donkey Kong, again, as an IP, I think could be very successful. If I were them, though, I would definitely get rid of Seth Rogen. Hardwick over on YouTube says the trailers for The Flash have some of the worst CGI I've ever seen for a multi-billion dollar blockbuster. Oh yeah, one of the biggest gripes I had with the most, this most recent trailer that they just released is that the CGI looks like complete garbage. But guess what? Warner Brothers CGI tends to be pretty big garbage. Even in the official releases, you go back and rewatch Batman v Superman, Justice League, Really, any of these big stories, CGI is garbage. Most recent Shazam is another great example. Warner Brothers has just never been able to do good CGI for their DC. Hardwick says, to be fair, both Gary and Mr. H have sources at Warner Brothers who tell them that the test audience reactions for The Flash have been overwhelmingly positive, but I don't see it. And again, that very well could be true, but as you just mentioned, it's inside sources. And I'm not saying anything anything negative about anyone who has sources, who claim to have sources. But what I am saying is that, that I'm sorry, that just can't really be trusted. People can say, well, hey, these sources were right on the story reveals and the story releases for this thing and that thing. That might be true. But again, always take great, always take sources with a gigantic grain of salt. Because I don't see it either. And you know what? If there's a good film in there, they need to fire whoever's doing their marketing because the marketing is not selling that story. At all. Jeremy Sikowski says, they're, uh, they're a leak image from children's book for Little Mermaid about Ursula's death, and let's just say it's going to make the film worse. What do you mean by book? Like the uh, book adaptation like that they're making for this movie specifically with the changes that they're implementing? Or, like, from the original story. Let's see. 
uh, Wayward Noodle, Frozen 1, 1. 1.2 billion, Frozen 2, 1.4 billion, obviously not accounting for inflation. Yeah, and that's the reason why if you do adjust for inflation, Frozen 2, Frozen 1 goes way up. Yeah, Fro Frozen 1 absolutely had a higher box office when you actually adjust. That's why adjusted, That's why inflation is so important. Because then you'd be like, oh, Frozen 2 did better. It's like, did it though? Because if you compare ticket sales, I can guarantee you that there are differences. In addition to when you t talk about inflation. Uh, Victor Fontaine over on YouTube, his member says, The Flashpoint story from the comics and the Flashpoint Paradox animated movie with the Flash movie is based on, or actually good, is making me want to see it. Is it making you want to see the actor playing the Flash? I, I think it's a fair question. Let's see. Hardwick, did you realize that the actress who played the Resistance leader in Quantumania also played Lieutenant Travel Biscuits in The Mandalorian? I actually didn't recognize uh, her at all. That's interesting. I don't think that's a good thing. Favorite sci-fi, there's probably a good chance they'll have a special collection for Mission Impossible once part two of the next one comes out. Yeah, and that's the other thing and other reason why I'm I'm not really looking to buy the new Mission Impossible uh, steelbooks because one, they're probably going to release a set <laughs> of what's available when the next film comes out they're probably going to release another set and then when the last one comes out they're going to release the complete collection so i might as well just if i'm going to buy it on 4k if i'm going to upgrade the collection i might as well wait for all the films to come out and for whatever the special box set's going to be um but yeah let's see abomination over on odyssey said the trailer had batman say that he thought that fighting crime would bring his parents back did i misunderstand that or is batman really trying to bring his parents back by fighting the joker and the riddler yeah i mean i think when i heard that line i think he was meaning more so in the i thought it could like keep them alive or bring them back to life in like the like the spiritual sense not in the he thought he could actually bring and resurrect his parents that that one yeah that didn't come to cross did not come across to me the same way that it did in, in that regard. Let's see. Uh, Abomination says, What? How dare you show an R rated R movie to your class? Arg. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, a rated R film about the passion and death of our Lord. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I think that might have probably been a reaction to the Nefarious. Yeah, the R rated film Nefarious. What a joke. The MPA just really showed their hand with the rating they gave for that movie. And I, I go back to this too. I still, I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised, but I also am surprised. I'm not surprised for one that Hollywood re would release some of the most disgusting trailers before nefarious. They have no control over what films play before their movie. But it's also again, not surprising at all because well, of course they would. Why would they want the people who are going to see it? You know, why would they want them to see stories and trailers that are, that are you know, not even just wholesome, but at least appropriate? I had to watch the Red Band trailer for Evil Dead Rise, and it was disgusting. And again, those trailers had significantly worse. When a trailer, even a Red Band trailer, when a Red Band trailer has worse things than the entirety of a movie that it plays prior to, how can you possibly justify an R rating? It's an honest question. Don't get me wrong. There's a sequence where a finger is broken. It's not really all that graphic, but it's there. 
and you do see someone in the electric chair. And they definitely show more than what typically you would see. But even then, it's not its not nothing that I haven't seen before. And I've seen a lot worse things in PG-13 films. Let's see. Charles says, I mean, Avatar 1 and 2 both made $2 billion. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The wording of it, I think, was confusing to me because it said, you know, you know, are going to. I'm like, well, they've already done it, right? They, they've already reached those points. And also, correction, Avatar 1, when you adjust for inflation, actually made like over $3 billion. So this, this again, Avatar 2 was successful, but when you compare the money and the ticket sales from 1 to 2, it's night and day. Avatar lost a crap ton of audience. So that's why I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think the third one is guaranteed to make a billion. I really do. But what's going to be fascinating is going to be seeing um, how much more audience they lose. Because I think they could end up losing even more people. Jonah Wingster. Up. Still a better love story than Titanic. That is a fact. Uh, Brightburn. All Father, I dodged a bullet tonight. My mother wanted to get uh, a take and bake pineapple and Canadian bacon pizza tonight. But I talked her into letting us get a taco pizza instead. So, yay. Dude, that's awesome. Great move on your part. Getting rid of uh, the pineapple nonsense. Oh, hello, Lady Freya. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I love you, too. Very creamy. Cream shaky. You ever drink Bailey's from a shoe? Thank you. I love my wife. She went to Cold Stone Creamery for some delicious ice cream and, and got me a shake. I'm very, very happy. I'm very, very happy indeed having my, my ice cream before the stream's even over. Mmm. Oh, delicious. A chocolate... Oh, a chocolate Oreo shake from Cold Stone Creamery. Oh, oh, Cold Stone Creamery. So good. So good. All right. Anyway, let's see. Hardwick. Going back to the chat now. Regarding the general audience not noticing things we know about, I wonder how many people even know that the boy in Evil Dead Rise is played by a girl with mental issues. I, again, highly doubt it. Highly doubt it. Father said, had to pop on for a few. Halftime at our school soccer game. Well, I hope that y'all are winning. Can't tag on my phone. Yeah, I mean, phone tagging on YouTube is abysmal. I can't believe they have not fixed that yet. Orange Hat Reviews. Recently rewatched Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, the second Ghost Rider. Was curious on your thoughts. I saw the first one and was like, okay, Nicolas Cage got me through it. And then I heard about the second one and I had no interest. So I've never seen it. No interest whatsoever. Again, Father, thank you for stopping by. Harwick, I'm glad to see Denzel Washington getting a third movie to prove he's still the real equalizer, not that imposter Queen Latifah from the terrible TV show. Yeah. I still can't believe that they actually did that. I <laughs> can't believe that they actually uh, tried that. Cthulhu, Anthony Starr's best performance was in the Banshee TV show that was so well written with great characters. Never seen it. Jonah Wingster, Odin, you were supposed to destroy the weebs, not join them. Okay, waifu. <laughs> a Donkey Kong stoner movie sounds terrible, says General Wingster. Yes, I agree. And that's why, again, it sounds good on paper, but then you have to remember, again, Seth Rogen's the voice. And I, I just, I don't think that would be a good combination, personally. He might be good as a supporting character, not talking about Donkey Kong, but talking about Seth Rogen's Donkey Kong, I think would work as a supporting character, as I think a lot of people did uh, like him and like his character in the film. 
I don't think people would be able to stand a full-length Seth Rogen movie, to be perfectly honest. General Meester says, did Luigi bring Bowser into the mailroom? He has theories, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's always sunny. <laughs> Hardwick, Ezra Miller is everything that J. Jonah Jameson thinks Spider-Man is. Jeremy Skowski, it's a film adaptation book for kids. I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. Yeah, I, I wouldn't give pretty much anything given or created or, you know, associated whatsoever with Disney. Uh, even a second thought. Like, I, I don't think I would show most, the vast majority of any, uh, of any modern day Disney stuff has, I think, no business being around kids, to be perfectly honest. Uh, of course, Tuesday night's made events live right now. I love them, but they drive me crazy. Let's keep moving up the show. Great Wuda, it's okay. I saw Mississippi Burning at my high school class. I actually don't know what that movie is. Harwick, uh, what was that accent you were doing? Have you never seen You Have a Drink Bailey's from a Shoot? Have you never seen Old Greg? Look up Old Greg. Hilarious, hilarious video. I'm Old Greg. Yes, Lady Freya's cameo. I miss Coldstone. There was one in Tim Hortons near me, but it moved out like four years ago. That is sad. Laura, do you have a steak and shake near you? Great shakes. Yes, I believe we do. I can't remember the last time I actually went to it. Master Gaming, do you think Robert Rodriguez and Ben Affleck's newest movie, Hypnotic, will flop? I've never heard of it, so I don't think that's a good start. <laughs> haven't heard of it, haven't seen anything about it, so yeah, can't can't say that I think it's gonna it's gonna do well. Can't say I have a lot of confidence. Hardwick, if you told people in the 1980s that someday the biggest action star in the world would be a five foot seven tall 60-year-old, they would think you were crazy. If you were to go to any era in Hollywood and make those same points, I would say they would all probably agree with you. I don't remember the I don't remember or know the heights of movie stars in like the gold era of like the 40s and 50s the golden era. But I imagine that most of them would probably have been six feet or so. Maybe I'm totally off on that, but I just feel like any era would look at today's, <laughs> would look at today's uh, situation and look at what Tom Cruise is doing and think, wait, what, what is this? Anyway, Master Gaming, are you excited for Sisu? Uh, yes, I am. If you've not seen the trailer for Sisu, it looks so much fun. I, I, I was not expecting it. I was not prepared for it. Saw the trailer. Immediately thought, okay, you've, you've got my attention now. The most fun killing Nazis on screen as it's ever been was like the tagline from, from one of the reviews for it. I think it was like Film School Rejects or something that, that made that. And so... Yeah, I, I think the trailer is just so much fun, and obviously for me, there's I've got some hype behind it, so I hope it lives up to it. But yeah, I've actually I'm I'm excited enough to where I've already bought my ticket, I've already pre-ordered my ticket, so my my plan is to go see it on Thursday. Of course, that's if everything goes according to plan and everything goes well. We'll have to wait and see whether or not that actually happens or not, but we will indeed uh, wait. Uh, let's see, Forever Sci-Fi, who is a member. Says, I thought uh, Jeremy's shilling 
was impressive last year, but he got drunk to dress up as Bucky on their road trip. Campia never stood a chance. Oh, dang. That's right. I forgot that he made <laughs> drunk 3PO. He made Jay get dressed in, uh, was, it a, was it a onesie? Or at the very least, it was, uh, it was a Bucky outfit. Yeah. Um, Master of Gaming. Okay, glad to hear it. I just have no interest whatsoever. I, again, Robert Rodriguez, he has made some good stuff, but nothing about him as a filmmaker gets anywhere close to Christopher Nolan. So I, I just, again, if that's what you think, great. Right now, there's no reason for me to have any excitement for it, though. So, Hardwick says, have you seen any of Werner Herzog's movies as a director, not an actor? Yeah, I, I, I don't remember which one, but when I was in high school, we had art class, and I remember us watching a Werner Herzog's, uh, I think it was called, it was either called The Cave, or they went to a cave at some point in the movie. Because all I remember from the film is, it's the cave. They go into the cave. And it is beautiful. Like, none of those lines are actually in it, but the cave stuck into my mind. Um, so that's like pretty much the only thing that I could uh, possibly think of as far as anything Werner Herzog that I've seen. Because um, I know that obviously he's a documentarian. My wife loves Werner Herzog as a, as a documentarian. Um, and uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, so my, my knowledge of it is, is very limited to just a movie about a cave. Or at least something where he mentions a cave. Spy Kids is better than Tenet's as General Wingster. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Spy Kids. Fun when I was a kid. In hindsight, garbage movie. Oh, so bad. Kigan Rumsky, you mean the caveman? I see what you did there. I see what you did there. How dare you, King Kane Rumsky? You broke my heart. You walked out in broad daylight. You broke it. How dare you? Carl, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. He says, I watched Azume's door locking. It did bring me to tears at the end. Oh, yeah. There's just so, oh, yeah. I, again, I really can't wait for that film to get released on physical media uh, so that I can rewatch it and watch the dubbed version. And um, if it's a while, if it's a way, if it's a way away, I hope that then it stays in theaters at least one more week. And that there's a decent showtime with the uh, Japanese and English subtitles. Ooh, that's a good shake. That's some great ice cream. Mm. Thank you again to the Lady Freya. For picking up some Cold Stone Creamery. The delicious chocolate and Oreo shake. Might even just be an Oreo shake that just looks like a chocolate shake. Just makes it even better. Let's see, Spy Kids, Forever Sci-Fi says, Spy Kids probably has better CGI than half of the current Marvel movies. Okay, look, let's just be honest here, okay? The Marvel film CGI is terrible. Even I am not willing to go that far, all right? Because, <laughs> again, as bad as current Marvel CG is, there is no way, no way you can compare <laughs> the terrible CG of especially the first and really all of the Spy Kids movies. I think especially of the one that was so cringe, it was, I think, Spy Kids 3D. Oh, my goodness. 
I remember a line in the trailer and then seeing it actually in the film. We watched it. I was working at a summer camp. And so it was the film that we brought the entire camp to because most of the campers were like 12 years or younger. It was a sports camp. And I remember us going. And all I remember is there's a character in it who's talking to like Junie, I think is the character's name, the the kid from the original, the, the boy from the original Spy Kids film, Alexa Vega's brother. That's the only, that's like the only character I remember. Alexa, I'm not talking to you. Sorry. Creepy. Creepy. Anyway, A Vega, because I can't say the first name, because the A word behind me will, <laughs> will pick that up. Um, but anyway, her brother. There's a sequence where he's in like this universe, like this online universe, and this girl in this really terrible CG suit comes up and says something to the effect of, he's my boyfriend. <laughs> It's so bad. He's my boyfriend. I don't know why I said it that way, but that's how I remember it. Oh, let's see. Orange Chat Reviews. The boyfriend spy kids grew up to bully Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie Halloween and got a beatdown by Kid Mike Myers. No. I'm glad I still haven't seen that one, but oh, goodness. Let's see. Shorty Short Laura says, Guy Ritchie could teach Nolan a lot about sound design and Snyder about effective slow-mo. Oh, for sure. Uh, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant has incredible slow motion shots, but I'm actually glad you mentioned the sound design because that's one thing I forgot, I think, to mention in my initial review. The sound design is just so brilliant. They're able to capture not only the sound of, of weapons, but also all of the different types of speech, whether it's through a walkie-talkie, whether it's through like a headset, it's it's brilliant. I, again, it's really all the way around that they are able to to pull these things off for sure. Let's see. Laura says, "Getting fish tacos, fish taco, taco Tuesday, boom boom, taco Tuesday." Harwick says, "Don't feel too bad about losing your pineapple pizza bet." Werner Herzog had to eat his shoe after losing a bet. It's immortalized on film, and Werner Herzog eats his shoe. I feel like I remember hearing about that. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. However, in in hindsight, maybe I would prefer, maybe I would prefer to eat my shoe versus having to eat pineapple on pizza. You don't know me, man. You don't know. I don't like fruit. I don't like flesh fruit. It's not even just a, a pineapple thing, though it is a pineapple thing. But it's not even just exclusively a pineapple pizza thing. I don't even like pineapple because I don't even like fleshy fruits. Why why would I want to put that onto my pizza? Why would I want that on my pizza? The The correct answer is I don't. I don't want it. I don't. McQueen, I don't want it, but a bet is a bet, and I'm a man of my word, and I'm a man of my word. Yeah, the non-fleshy kinds. I like bananas. Bananas are fi fine. Um, even mangoes, right? Mangoes are not really the same kind of fleshy uh, texture that you would get from a apple, pineapple, watermelon, etc., so, yeah, bananas are pretty much the only one. I, I The other fruits that I'll eat are either in things 
or in a smoothie form. So a strawberry banana smoothie sounds great. Mixed fruit smoothie could could take that. And then blueberry muffins, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, kind of. No, not really oranges. Again, I have a weird relationship with oranges. Like I, I like it in concept, <laughs> but in practice, yeah, I, I don't I don't like the texture. Forever sci-fi. Uh, maybe we'll have to have Odin take a durian fruit challenge next time. Isn't that the one that like smells disgusting? There's no way. There's just no way I'd be able to handle. Like if, if I can barely even handle the concept or thought of pineapple, why would durian? And I've never experienced durian, but from what I've heard, if it's what I think it is, there's just no way. All right. We're going to go ahead and start to wrap things up as we're having a, a pretty slow night tonight and i want to be able to enjoy sit back and enjoy this uh this delicious shake let's see brightburn so i get to the last comments before heading out says all father do you feel the same way about mushrooms that you do about pineapples i think i heard jeremy johns mention that he hates mushrooms yeah 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 same way there's something about that texture that i just can't do i think the worst texture of all though is actually um Oh, what is it called? It's something that's in salad, not lettuce or spinach. Trolls. Um, it is, oh, artichoke. So I was working at a store that was in the, that was like a part of the church in New York when I was living in New York City. And one of the, my coworkers got a salad and I was explaining that, hey, I don't really eat vegetables because most of them make me gag. And so he didn't believe me. And so he's like, I want to see you eat this. Like he was just like, give me parts of his salad was like, show me what happens when you eat this. And I, I would just be like, okay, I'll show you. And it started off with just like the, the, uh, the lettuce and then some spinach. And like every single time I was like, like just couldn't handle it. And then he gave me like, it was like, I think it was a heart of artichoke. And I remember just biting into it and I almost lost my stomach. I almost lost it completely. It were, and again, I know that it's not comparable by any means, but that's how the, the, the last time I tried mushroom, that was kind of a comparable texture for me. So yeah, not, not something that I'm looking forward to at all. Um, let's see. Victor Fontaine, any idea on what you are planning to binge this summer? It was fun talking DS9 with you last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, Victor Fontaine. Still love the name, of course. Yeah, I'm already preparing, even maybe even prior to summer starting. My wife has, re has started to rewatch Babylon 5 because remember when I finished DS9 and everyone and their mother was like, you got to watch Babylon 5. You got to watch Babylon 5. So I'm going to start that soon. And then I'm going to try to watch OG Star Trek and Next Gen Star Trek it is, is what my hope is for the next few weeks and into summer. And I'm also excited because in about a month, I'll be able to restart my summer streaming schedule. So be on the lookout for that. Still a month away, but still excited for that. It means that I can not only get back to my morning streams, but also can get back to uh, my <laughs> my unfortunately abandoned channel of the OMB report. Can finally start doing OMB report <laughs> videos again. Daniel, what's going on over on Odyssey, man? Orange Hat says, hey, how dare you knock my fruit, you fruity Norseman? <laughs> okay, Mr. Orange Man. 
Forever Sci-Fi. Yeah, that's the one that people say tastes like raw sewage. Talk about the Dorian, yeah. Hardwick, there's a video of someone holding a durian up to a cat. The cat's eyes bug out. He seizes up and falls over backward. Oh, that just sounds too depressing. Jordan Wingster, good night. I gotta go shopping, so now I'm gonna get some ice cream. Yes. Hardwick, you disgust me. Get that spinach artichoke. Ugh, no. Ambrose Chamberpot, I totally agree with that sentiment. Kimberly G, good night to you. As we wrap things up. Cthulhu, thanks for the great show. Great as always. Thank you very much, man. Mark Oquist, put shrimp on your pound. No! No, 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 nine, nine, nine. I like fried shrimp occasionally. Regular raw, sh- no, no, not raw shrimp, but like non-fried shrimp. No, 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 no. Jordan Wigster, well, I mean, you do need to watch Babylon 5. Get out of here. Hardwig, I'd recommend watching Star Trek Continues right after the original series. There's only 11 episodes. Um, Yeah, maybe I... If, Again, I am going to try to do everything within my power to um, temper my expectations and uh, have some control over like what order I watch things in. I think Babylon 5 is the priority because I just would love for people just to stop, you know. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, so Daniel, uh, that is what uh, Hardwick just mentioned over on on YouTube. Uh, Kigan Rumshki says, rumored that DS9 came from Babylon 5's creator's ideas. <laughs> yeah, and that's the reason why everyone was bringing it up because that, that brought up a debate because some people buy into that, some people don't buy into that. And for me, I've never seen Babylon 5, so I can't say one way or the other. What I can say is DS9 is fantastic and I still hold by that pretty pretty strongly. So anyway, with all that being said, let's go ahead and uh, call that and call this an evening, a night, Thank you for everyone watching. Make sure to smash the like button, like the fire button, awesome, and smash the rumble button as well on your way out. Uh, share it as well if you enjoyed what you saw tonight and think other people might find enjoyment from it as well. And uh, let's see. Coming up this week, Friday Night Tights should be on, hopefully. Uh, sometimes when they are all together and on location, it's harder to get remote um, access in. Though, I, I suspect that it's going to be possible, as I believe that they're working with some pretty legit people in the area to get some pretty uh, legit setups going on. Uh, I think I just I saw a little bit of the uh, Tuesday Night's main event stream, and I, I see that they're in a studio. I don't know if they're in the um, Bert, oh, is it Bertolo studio, or if they are borrowing a studio and uh, renting a studio, rather, from the, the Salty Nerd crew or not. I don't know which one they're in, but I uh, it looks pretty solid. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to be on Friday Night Tights. So we'll see how that goes. I'll keep you all posted on that. And um, if not, then this Saturday, I thought it was this past Saturday, but no, this Saturday is the Chosen of a Hollow stream. So from 1 to 3 p.m. They're in the Salt and Nerd Podcast studio, says Victor Fontaine. Nice! Glad to hear it. Yeah, I was only able to see a little bit of it, so... Uh, Daniel, I I'm sorry, dude. I I've been live for an hour and a half. I'm always live at the same time, 7 p.m. Eastern time, every Tuesday and Saturday. And very rarely do I miss. And when I do, I always post it on my socials. Um, but anyway, with all of that being said, thank you again, everyone, for watching this evening. Really does mean a lot. Again, uh, should be on Friday Night Sites. We got the Chosen of Hollow stream on Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. 
So that means there will not be a Saturday evening stream. So no Saturday evening stream this week as I will have been streamed out <laughs> at that point. So join us from 1 to 3 on Saturday if you can. I hope to be able to get the podcast, the OMB podcast for Patreon, Subscribestar, Locals, and YouTube members up as soon as possible. So um, hopefully to record that as soon as possible. So be on the lookout for that in the next week or two. And then after that, schedule should be pretty normal. Uh, as we get closer to the end of the year, though, there are going to be some nights where I might have to cancel because of awards night or some other um, obligation that I have to fulfill as a teacher. So be paying attention to the social medias. Of course, you also can uh, access the content on the Discord server as well. Check out the top link in the video description to find my link tree. And that will give you access to all those different places, including the Discord server. So anyway, thank you all very much for being in this evening. I'm going to go ahead and enjoy my Cold Stone Creamery shake. Mm -mm -mm. Shout out again to the Lady Freya for going to get that. So anyway, have a wonderful evening, everybody. A blessed Feast of St. Mark. A blessed Rogation Day. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my Patreon, Subscribestar, and Locals members who are at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off with Patreon with Father Luca Illick, Garrett Searles, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange Hat Reviews, who can check out over at his YouTube channel by the same name, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Rosetta Allen, who you can check out at her YouTube channel at Eagle Writer, and Miss Modern Muses, who you can check out at her YouTube channel by the same name as well. To my Subscribestar people, we got Matt317, check him out on his Twitch channel by the same name, Fast Reaction, The R, Mr. Roy, J-Rod, The Beer Guru, and The K-Man, and you can check out The K-Man over at xtheboundaries.co, and lastly to my Locals members, Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D90, and the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. If you want your name shout out at the end of every video and live stream, check out the top link in the video description below to join the Keeper of the Bifrost level. You also get access to other things like a podcast that I do every month with John the Flick and also I do giveaways for my Keeper of the Bifrost level people and above and also my Chosen of Valhalla monthly stream. If any of that stuff sounds interesting, especially those giveaways, which I do give away 4K steelbooks, all kinds of stuff all month long, check out that top link. You're all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, a blessed Easter, and as always, God bless.